has meant so much to me over the years, coming here in 95 for the first time and be able to play as an amateur, winning in 97, and then come full circle 22 years later, be able to do it again. This is a very special JT and Looney podcast. Episode 11, Tiger wins at Augusta. Over to 16, JT and Looney. One of the great sports moments of the 21st century, Tom Looney, Tiger Woods, Where's the green jacket once again? Could it be the greatest sports moment of the 21st century with a wink and a nod to the Lakers going back to back to back in 2000, 2001, 2002? Kobe! Can you think of a bigger sports achievement this century? It's 2019. We were only 19 years in. There's not many. One of the great comeback stories in American sports history. Mike Tirico with the word pictures from the Westwood One Radio Network. I think if you look at individual sports or team sports, you would break it into those two categories. And this is an individual sport, golf. But I got to think other than Michael Phelps and his dominance in the Olympics as a swimmer, individually, Serena Williams has had unbelievable accomplishments along with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. And we'll continue talking about other athletes that have stepped outside the box and had iconic achievements. But because of Tiger Woods' past transgressions, his injuries, the fact that most people counted him out. I don't remember people counting out Michael Phelps and Serena Williams and Nadal and all the great players. Maybe some doubt, but as we both know, there are a lot of people who bailed on Tiger Woods after his last major and his last back surgery and thought this would never happen again. Yeah, I thought it probably wouldn't because I thought the the key to fixing his back was to stop playing golf. And the problem with his back was because he played golf, and the problem was he played golf for a living, so he didn't want to stop playing golf, which is giving him problems with his back. So I thought that catch-22 was going to feed on itself, and because of the torquing that your back takes when you play golf, I thought for physical reasons – He couldn't do it. I didn't think for mental reasons he couldn't, but I did have a caveat. And I did say if he got himself healthy and did win a major, it would be at Augusta. Because if you'll remember going back in the hot tub time machine, right after that big scandal and that Thanksgiving day and the girlfriends and the cell phones and the police and the hospital and et cetera, uh, he did play quite well at Augusta, if you'll remember that year. And so I realized after coming out of all that mentally and he played well at Augusta, I thought, well, if he's going to win anywhere, it'll be at Augusta. And I was right about that, but you were right about predicting he would win not only one major, but multiple majors going forward. And I was the one telling you to stop talking about it. Well, a lot of that had to do with Tom Watson. A lot of that had to do with Tom Watson at the Open Championship. We used to be allowed to call it the British Open. Now you get arrested if you don't say the You're right. And when Tom Watson had that epic performance and almost won the Open Championship in his late 50s, I said, well, if Tom Watson could do that at his age, Tiger Woods can be on the back nine at an Open Championship in a Lynx-style golf course where you're able to hit the ball on the ground in between – the belly burn and the pop bunkers and have an opportunity to be there. And of course I thought Augusta national was the best shot. The U S open where a matter of fact, he'll be playing the PGA championship coming up next at Beth page black, my home course where I grew up in long Island, New York. He's already won there before, but that is such an enormous long course. And the U S open is very tough. 
we'll see what happens here. But Tom, this was his 15th green jacket and his 81st uh, PGA Tour event where he's won on tour. And he's only three uh, majors away from Jack Nicholas. As we begin this podcast, I'm going to say this because I've said it before and to our new podcast audience, Tiger Woods will pass Jack Nicholas. I believe that Tiger Woods will catch Jack Nicholas. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. He can't have a big back issue again, but he looks fit. And man, did some of those young guns today look like they were scared as Tiger was roaring on the back nine at Augusta National. Yeah, he really was. And uh, quite oddly, his worst round uh, at the Masters, just a 70 today, was good enough to win it. But it was so nostalgic for so many of us. Uh, and, you know, the kids, including his son, who have had to be convinced that he was good back in the day, finally see proof that he is and that he was and that he could still win. Kind of like being a Redskins fan. Any Redskins fan under 30 has to believe old people when they say the Redskins used to be good. And uh, any kid under 20 has to be convinced that Tiger Wood at one, Woods at one point was really, really great. And I was happy to see him for you know, see him win it in front of his son because his son never had saw him win a, a great tournament before, and and so that was a lot of fun to watch history repeating itself. Tiger going from hugging his father in the '90s to hugging his children in the new millennium coming off the 18th at Augusta. It was incredible. It was set up like a storybook. If we go back to the round on Sunday, uh, Tiger Woods was going up against Francesco Molinari of Italy who's won four recent tournaments, the Open Championship, and he was spectacular in the Ryder Cup. And he had one bogey, one bogey in the entire Masters coming into Sunday, which was incredible. In his last nine major championship rounds, his worst score was 70. So he was starting to look like a robot. And a guy who doesn't hit it as long as Tony Finau or Tiger Woods in that final pairing but wherever he puts it in the fairway or in the first cut, he finds a way to hit spectacular iron shots into the green and either putts for birdie or he two putts, and he doesn't get in a lot of trouble. But then on the famed back nine at Augusta National, where the roar started, and as they've always said, the Masters doesn't kick in, Tom Lewis, until the back nine on Sunday. And right. never was it more evident than this Sunday. And for him to go in the water on the 12th hole, which is a short hole, but really confuses a lot of golfers because of the pressure and the wind. Jordan Spieth fell apart there a couple of years ago. Brooks Kepka, who could have won the Masters, went in the water on that hole. It all changed on the par three 12th hole where Finau, Molinari, and Kepka all went in the water. Tiger Woods got a par on Amen Corner, and then he was off to the races. He needed help. He needed Molinari to come back to earth. And Molinari had two double bogeys on the back nine. I don't think many people expected that when he made the turn after his ninth hole. And I think I felt it was a lock at 16 when Tiger almost had that hole in one. When Tiger takes the lead, is it on 16, which is the par three? Yes. Where yeah, where he almost had that hole in one. And I thought, wow, he is locked in. I was still nervous, like it was a Laker game back when the Lakers were good. I was still nervous that he's getting older. Is he going to melt down? He's never won a major when he's been behind on the leaderboard uh, on the final day before the final round. So that was amazing. I thought he was going to be doomed. We talked last night 
because of weather and it was threesomes instead of twosomes. And he had to get up at 345 in the morning or something <laughs> like that because uh, the golf was starting earlier in the day. So I thought those strange mitigating factors were going to doom Tiger's ability to win in the final round. And I was wrong and I'm happy I was. I love the way you painted that picture. First off, on the Sunday, the final round, I was on the radio for four hours on Sirius XM82 oh, oh Mad my Dog God. Sports Radio. Yeah, it was pretty special for me because it was unique because the night before, on Saturday, when they changed the pairings and they said they were going early, of course, it wasn't about the Masters and the patrons. It was about me, as usual. And I said to my wife, I said to my wife, I was supposed to go to a Masters party at the Westgate, the Superbook, and watch it with my buddies. We do this thing on Sunday at the Masters where we put on Masters shirts and we sit around and my buddies who gamble are able to bet in game. So if a guy loses a stroke or gains a stroke, the odds change. And I've done it the last couple of years. Oh, and when it's a they changed didn't the get to join join those douchebags in the masters. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna miss that, but I have a feeling it's gonna be a memorable day. So I was lucky enough to be on from 8 a.m. to noon Pacific when they were starting the broadcast off at 6 a.m. Pacific, and CBS finally unlocked the keys yeah, to the you. broadcast booth with Augusta National and gave us in the beginning of the round and everybody was scattered all over the golf course starting on either the 10th or the first. And I was blessed enough to be on the radio from the time tiger hit his first drive of the day on one till he put it out on 18 with about 10 minutes to spare. So oh I was doing God. a lot of play by play. Yeah, it was, it was, I couldn't have, I couldn't have dreamt it up any better in regards to talking about it while it was live, but I thought there was a point in the day when Molinari was playing good on the front and Tiger was scrambling and hitting the ball behind the trees and having to punch out between trees. Tom, I have to be honest with you. I didn't think that Molinari would cooperate and have a couple of double bogeys on the back nine. And with every great comeback, there is an equal or bigger choke. And I have to say this, and it hurts because he's a nice guy. Molinari choked on the back nine at Augusta National. And I felt like a bad guy because I'm I'm cheering and doing the voodoo boogaloo on every other golfer, hoping they do poorly because I'm cheering for the good story, the feel-good story, the chicken soup for the soul story of Tiger Woods finally winning another major. And perfect time of year, the, the Masters comes around because March Madness is over with, football is over with. Baseball's just starting. The NBA you know, is in game one, meaningless game ones of round one of the NBA playoffs. I mean, it's going to be tiger, 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 wall to wall for a week. Well, that's why we have the JT and Looney podcast as others right. are waiting for their studios to unlock. We'll right. have the podcast done, which I'm thrilled about. But a couple other things. I was lucky enough to be at the last major, the Tiger one, and that was the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in 2008, where he beat Rocco Mediate in a Monday playoff. And the only reason I know, I was one of the only radio hosts who were there because I was walking around the golf course, Tom, and I didn't see Dan Patrick and Jim Rome or Colin Coward. I was the only one that I recognized <laughs> looking into the mirror there that day. So I had a little experience with Tiger winning a major on a Monday, let alone on a Sunday at Augusta National. 
Well, it was pretty nerve wracking. You know, if he had a double bogey on 18, uh, there would be several guys tied at the top of the leaderboard. And it's not what anybody wanted except the other, except Dustin Johnson and the others who were cheering for him to fail on 18. But it was, he really, you know, and, and you know, a lot of times with Tiger, as we've watched him over the years, he does spray the ball all over the golf course and his recovery, his ability to recover and then get a birdie. It's amazing. That's the way he's kind of been his entire career. He doesn't play perfect golf. He could be the greatest of all time who plays incredibly imperfect golf uh, from what sometimes from one bad shot to another to chipping it next to the hole and putting in for a birdie. And that was fun to watch today. Taking a look at the leaderboard, Tiger wins uh, by shooting 13 under. Remember, he had a double bogey, which I'll get to on 18. That was not as easy. That was nerve-wracking mm. down the stretch. Yeah. He needed he needed a bogey to win the tournament, not a par. Uh, Dustin Johnson was great late. He got into the clubhouse at 12 under. He put his drive on 18 into the bunker, was able to get it out of the bunker on the green, but two-putted. Xander Shoffley from San Diego was fantastic, 12 under par. Brooks Kepka, when I went back and watched it again, the back nine, he should have won that tournament. Brooks, Brooks Kepka had a double bogey on 12 where he went into the water we're talking one of the best golfers three of the last six majors coming into sunday and he is at 11 under going into 12 if he gets a par on that hole he wins the masters he goes in the water and he is back to nine under and then he brings it all the way back to 12 under par jason day remember with his bad back earlier yep. in the masters he came back webb simpson molinari ended up at 11 under tony finau in that final group and John Rahm, who ended up at 10 under. That is a leaderboard, and Tiger said it to Jim Nance afterwards in the Butler cabin that he was looking up at that leaderboard from time to time, and 12 is when it all changed, when he watched everybody else go into the water, and Tiger Woods was able to get it on the green and two-putt for a par. The leaderboard, Tom, was a big part of the 2019 Masters. How many great players were in contention not only on Thursday, but all the way into Sunday afternoon. And Tiger, all of a sudden over the years, has kind of become an everyman in a John Daly way. People like John Daly because he was fat and smoked cigarettes and made mistakes and mentally broke down. And he was, in other words, human. And uh, with Tiger Woods, we're just a, less than two years away from when he had a few drinks and a Vicodin, and a Dilaudid, and a few hits off a joint. Remember all the drugs he had in his system? Oh, and a Xanax. And what is that one that people use to sleep? Oh, wait, wait. I actually have the sound. This is the sound from November 2017 from when Tiger Woods appeared in court. Tom Looney reporting it on Fox Sports Radio. Good. That's me referring to myself in the third person. Hey, it's... uh. It's Looney. Tiger Woods was in court today. West Palm Beach, Florida, where the Kennedys, Rush Limbaugh, and Bulldog Sheehan all have compounds. Tiger Woods pled guilty to reckless driving in that courtroom today. Last May, Tiger Woods smoked a joint, then took a Vicodin, an Ambien, a Xanax, and a Dilaudid. Dilaudid was Elvis's favorite, but Elvis liked to stay home and eat peanut butter and banana sandwiches after he took drugs. Tiger likes to drive around, apparently, when he smokes pot and pops pills. Tiger will enter a special celebrity pretrial diversion program to avoid going to the hokey pokey. 
and turning himself around. A World Series Game 3 getting underway shortly in Houston. It's a great comeback story. He also thought he would never walk again the last time he was flat on his back and had an operation. So, so many people watching have had back issues, drug issues, drinking and driving issues, problems with their wife, divorce, etc. And so, even if people weren't on his side in the past, he's, there's been a lot of things that have happened where people can now relate to Tiger Woods. They usually couldn't. A lot of times you can't relate to the world that golfers live in. But Tiger, we found a human side of Tiger over the past decade where a lot of people could relate to him. And have you ever seen that Tiger, the one with the smile like that after he won? Have you ever seen him so happy, JT? When he was locked in back in the day, it was hard for him to open up like that. But the Tiger with the smile, and hugging. And I, I thought I'd see some tears. I was shocked that I didn't. You brought up so many good points there. First yeah. off, the personal transgressions of Tiger Woods. We covered it every, almost every week on radio, mm-hmm. the entire time that Tiger Woods couldn't win. And it, it started with issues with Tiger Woods and his personality and living outside his marriage mm-hmm. and how that marriage fell apart with Elon and the way that they weren't able to put it back together again. And then we found out about his issues with opioids and the problems that you just mentioned. And we understood that Tiger Woods was human when other individuals in life, even athletes who aren't as popular, have divorce problems, marital problems, problems with sleeping pills or drugs. We don't hear about it often and we don't care often. But when it happened to Tiger Woods, everybody believed that they needed to get into Tiger's business from the yeah. TMZification of sports, which has happened recently. And I was a very big critic of Tiger Woods after he kept making mistake after mistake. You remember when he had to apologize at the press conference in front of his mom? That was not necessary. We made Tiger Woods stand up in front of a podium with his mom in the front row and apologize for his behavior and his marriage falling apart. And Tiger did it. And everybody piled on. They and did. then with the back injuries, the back injuries were big, Tom, because I've had, I've never had a back problem, but my friends who have had it really sympathize with Tiger Woods along the way because it doesn't matter if you're a pro, if you're a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, uh, you work for the sanitation department, you're a bartender, you have a bad back. Some people never recover again. Tiger was strong enough to recover and win another green jacket. I remember one time when I was having issues with my back. And I went and bought a lottery ticket. I don't think people should waste their money on lottery tickets, but I buy them because I think the odds don't apply to me. The world is rigged in my favor. So uh, I I went and bought a few and it was up to like 300 million or something that week on one of them, like a Powerball. And I thought to myself, what would I do with $300 million? And the first thing I thought was, God, I, I hope I can do something about my back. You can't, whether you're a millionaire or a bartender, you were going through the lists of occupations of people who could relate to them. Uh, Your life is miserable if you have a bad back. And even the most joyous of events, unless you got a painkiller or a drink in you, uh, you're not as happy as you could have been if you didn't have a bad back. So that is one universal thing where the whole, uh, where sports fans could have empathy for him. So many things he's gone through. I think brought a lot more people over to his side. And of course, in sports, we love nostalgia. So uh, I can't wait to see the ratings. They're going to be enormous because of the Tiger effect. If it was Rocco Mediate, it was winning the Masters. Nobody would have been watching Sunday, but it was Tiger Woods. It's going to be great.
and when we go back to Tiger and the problems that he had in life, we've talked over the years together as friends about the personal problems that O.J. Simpson found himself into in his mm -hmm. marriage and what happened there. Ray Lewis and what happened at the Super Bowl with the double murder, which mm -hmm. allegedly he said he didn't know about or he was involved with. And that just disappeared. But we all know the stink on that story. Mm -hmm. And we get back to domestic violence with Ray Rice and issues with performance enhancing drugs with Lance Armstrong and A-Rod. But with Tiger Woods, everybody piled on because we knew Tiger Woods when he was on television, depending on your age, with Bob Hope, Mike Douglas, when he came onto the scene and won his first major, when he was an amateur, when he played at Stanford, we knew about Tiger Woods when he broke onto the scene and he never went away because he was brilliant for the pretty much the majority of his career until he fell off because of his personal problems and winning the 2019 masters. Do we forget about all of the problems? Of course not. But Tom, it adds to the story. It makes what happened winning the green jacket this past Sunday, more important because there's more to the story than just tiger, the robot who won another major and never had a problem and never had a personal issue, never had a bad back. It all adds to the story, which brought us so much drama in this year's Masters. Well, right, because when he got knocked down, then we can all relate because we all get knocked down. And the key in life when you're going through hell is to keep going. And the key in life when you get knocked down is to get up. And Tiger Woods got knocked down from, uh, from things going on in his personal life from having to go through sex rehab and drug rehab. So we have a whole country full of people that have gone to rehab and, and they can relate to in that way. And we've had people that have had to reinvent themselves, get knocked down, have to get back up and brush themselves off. And the and Tiger Woods did the same thing with all of us watching. That makes it even harder with everyone watching. And he did Ma that on Sunday and God, it was fun. Muhammad Ali lost everything in opposing the Vietnam war. Mm -hmm. He lost close to four years of his career yep. as the greatest boxer in the world. I still look back at the convictions of Muhammad Ali and what he stood for at the time, at the top of his game globally, and for him to come back and regain the heavyweight championship after four years, I believe is the most important individual sports accomplishment of the 20th century, along with Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, Babe Ruth, and the list goes on and on. And there are golfers like Jack Nicholas winning all of his majors, his 18 majors. All that adds into the story here. But what Tiger Woods did this time, I believe, makes this the number one uh, story of the 21st century for an individual athlete. And Tom, I think it puts it on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest redemption stories of all time, because it's a redeeming story and not many people have a similar background in a life to Tiger Woods on top of winning a masters in his forties. I think it's that big of a deal. They'll be talking about this hundreds of years from now. Yeah. And, and lots of professions, any inner, just to stick with entertainment and sports professions where people can come back. Muhammad Ali won back the heavyweight championship 10 years after he had first won it seven years after it had been stripped away. Uh, George Foreman came back and won the heavyweight championship 20 years after he had first won it, which is an amazing comeback. And he had ballooned up to 300 pounds and, uh, and completely rebranded himself from a bad guy to a good guy. 
that was just one of the brilliant brand reinventions and sports reinventions ever that's happened. You know, John Travolta, when he was in his early 20s, JT, made his first movie, Saturday Night Fever. He was nominated for an Academy Award, and he thought, wow, this is easy. Well, he got his next nomination 20 years later. He realized it was not that easy. He was just young. And same thing, this is, this is why it's probably so sweet for Tiger Woods. Uh, he did put all the work in, of course, since he was four years old, but winning came easy right for a while uh, for Tiger Woods. And then he realized it wasn't after his transgressions and, and problems. And I think, wouldn't you probably agree, the sweetest victory of his career happened Sunday at Augusta. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's yeah. the most important victory of his career because of all the baggage and everything we talked about. And from a from a golf perspective, the fact that the Masters keeps this tradition, a tradition unlike any other, really <laughs> means something. I'm, a, I'm in a fraternity, and what we're trying to do and 100 years before me and hopefully 100 years after in my fraternity is keep the tradition the same or as close to it, the pledge process, the brotherhood, as close to possible as you can. But as the world evolves, you don't do the same thing that you might have did 20, 30, 50, 80 years ago. But they do it at the butler cabin, inside the butler cabin. They do it at the champion's dinner. They do it when Jack, uh, Nicholas, and Gary Player hit that opening shot. They do it in the par three contest. So when I watch the Masters, I get into it the Monday before and then the par three contest. And to see this Masters develop this year, with Tiger as the backstory, Rory McIlroy, let's not forget, going for the career Grand Slam. All he needs to do is win the Masters. He was nowhere near on the leaderboard. And then you knew that there'd be an amateur or someone who would show up early and play well. And right out of the gate, the criticism was fair. The weather, I think, was the second biggest story or the fear of the weather, Tom, yeah. other than Tiger Woods. Because everybody was looking at their radar my radar on their app. Everybody mm -hmm. was wondering when the wind's coming and the rain's coming. And when they moved up that starting time, as we said on Sunday, it added, it added to the mystery and the folklore going forward of what happened where Tiger would have been able to sleep in. And he had to get there early to get his weight workout in and his stretching done and get all his work in early. Everybody had to do that. They were all pressed for time. And it was something that the great champions weren't used to. And Tiger Woods, for the first time in his career, comes from behind to win a major. You add that in with his daughter and son and mom being there. You add into the fact that Dustin Johnson is the number one player in the world, and he puts out uh, to be 12 under, and Tiger knows that as he's coming off a of 17. You add into the fact that Tony Finau and Molinari were great players and playing great for most of the day on Sunday. Tiger couldn't go through the motions on Sunday at Augusta National. He had to take chances. There were a couple of times I was texting you on Sunday when he took his drive and put it behind trees. I, know. I said to myself, his ball is on top of mud. How is he going to hit that ball above mud off a cart path? And he stung it through trees and brought it up near the front of the green and was able to chip on. And one putt. And Tom, most golfers who are listening to the podcast know that there are days you just don't have it. When Tiger was trying to become competitive the last two to three years, he had the yips, his yep. short game was off, he couldn't putt. That's when it creeped into my mind that Tiger was finished because I thought mentally his short game, not his drive, 
not his irons, which are beautiful, three, four, five, six iron. But I thought his chipping from 30 to 50 yards out was going to be the downfall of him. And all he did was chip it right next to the hole and make all those putts. He was brilliant. Oh, it, it was it was classic Tiger. And if you remember, too, his body wasn't cooperating. Remember, he would Tory Pines, I think he walked off the golf course at one time. Glutes locking up and, uh, and hamstrings locking up and his back locking up. There were a lot of times over the course, uh, or quite a number of times over the last several years, where his body didn't cooperate and he had to walk off golf courses. So that is, that's, that's just great to see in general for anybody who's had to come back from anything physical. There are so many ingredients, feel good ingredients to the story that, uh, that I think that that's why so many people who might not even be predisposed to forgiving tiger for different things that happen in his life and being real judgy people over the years, a lot of people have gotten over it because sooner or later, something happened to tiger that also happened to the average Joe who's watching from the hamstrings to the glutes, to the back, to the issues with the pills, et cetera. And that describes a lot of people in this country. Uh, tiger is a fierce animal in the jungle. Can we talk about another animal, which would be the elephant in the room, if you don't mind for a second? Oh, sure. Uh, why did he bring his girlfriend to work? I don't know who she is. I, I, I don't oh. I, I don't really want to go there because this is a podcast and I know I have more freedom than we would on the radio, but but we can Tiger discuss Woods this because his... it went through my head, JT, because Jim as he's standing there, usually they tell you who a golfer is hugging. So Tiger's hugging all these people, and we're not Jim Nance watching. We don't live inside Butler Cabin. We don't know who everybody is. We watch when Tiger's in the lead. And sometimes I wish they would have gone through. People might or might not know it's Charlie, that's Sam, that's his daughter. But he's hugging people, and Jim Nance is zipped. He's not telling us, and except other than Tiger's mother, we weren't told who he was hugging. I did find that interesting. The only exception we've ever given before is for Mike Shashevsky to bring his wife, Mickey yes. Shashevsky, to work. <laughs> you she give likes to sit exception. right behind the bench, and, and we've been through that. But right. I've also said if you're married to a Brazilian swimsuit model, which would yes. be Giselle Bunchen, right. you can bring Giselle to work. Yeah, that's to also to someone will allow you. For Tiger to walk off the green and give his girlfriend a hug with the hat on, I just thought that was a little bit bizarre because the moment of him hugging his son, Charlie, close to the spot where he hugged his dad, Earl, at the time when his dad's health was failing. I wanted to leave it at that because he was going to walk up to the scorer's room. Oh, you and, and you wanted it to be a Disney card. movie? You wanted to keep it Disney yes. for everybody? <laughs> well, here's a newsflash, JT. Tiger Woods isn't leading a Disney movie life. <laughs> yeah, it looked like a Disney movie, and then it changed over to Cinemax, and then it went yes, back it to a, a Disney movie there. Well, my wife went through my phone and uh, maybe calling you. Uh, here's another important, important topic on this podcast is Tiger Woods has won the 2019 Masters. That is his 15th major, his fifth green jacket, 81 titles overall, one behind Sam Snead. I mean, the accomplishments are a mile long. But what does it say to all the young players who only have one major or haven't haven't won a major yet? The best would be Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler, who's famous like Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is famous for catching warm-up passes with mm -hmm. one hand. 
and for dyeing his hair blonde. Ricky Fowler's also famous, Tom, for wearing orange and Puma that's orange and green. How do you think Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all the young guys from the age of 22 to maybe 26 are thinking after this performance saying, oh, not only is it tough enough to beat the field, in a regular PGA tournament, let alone a major, but Tiger's back and he doesn't look like he's going away for quite some time. Well, uh, I think that they feel good about themselves. They look in their bank account. They look in the mirror. Those are all young yeah. looking guys. I'm sure they're hugging pretty girlfriends after each round as well. So I, I think that they're probably happy for their sport. This gets people talking about your sport. And other than Phil Mickelson over the years, nobody is bitter about Tiger Woods bringing a spotlight uh, to the world of golf because this is really good for the sport it's good for their sport it might mean more money in their pocket because as people people as golf brings in new and younger fans a lot of people and a lot of young kids that are 13 right now are going to take up golf are going to become tiger woods fans but he's not going to win a lot because of his age so they're eventually going to have other favorite golfers and some of those kids will end up liking ricky fowler and Jordan Spieth as their second favorite golfer. So I think it's good for the sport and it's good for the young guns. That's another great point because you talk about what he's done to change the game of golf. Jack Nicholas, Arnie Palmer is the only person I think you could ever compare. And it's no disrespect to Jack who won 18 majors, 19 runners up. And he's the greatest golfer of all time. As we sit here today after Tiger won his 15th major, but Arnold Palmer and Arnie's army, and the way he brought fans, not only to the game, but to the golf course. Tiger Woods brought minorities to the game globally. Yes. And he right. grew the sport more than Derek Jeter did in baseball, Tom Brady did in football, Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali are on that list. Jumpman and what Michael Jordan's done with his partnership with Nike and that becoming a global company where everybody knows and everybody understands the influence of Michael Jordan as a six-time champion and the face of Nike when it comes to Jumpman. And then Muhammad Ali, who we mentioned, if you go to baseball, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, we did a recent podcast on their contracts. They don't move the needle this way. Tiger's in rare air. And I think you could today say honestly that he is one of the top five athletes of all time, not of our lifetime, but of any time. And I include Secretariat. I'm not afraid to include <laughs> thoroughbred racehorses in this conversation. I think Tiger's on the short list, Tom, and today just added, added to his legacy as one of the most important humans slash sports athletes of our lifetime. Well, he also looks like the children of the 20th century, as does Barack Obama. And you mentioned Derek Jeter, because, you know, 50 percent of people born of babies born now sometimes are mixed race in the United States. They're, they have an Asian mom and a white dad or a black dad and a white mom or whatever. And so they look at Tiger Woods and he looks like them. And so that's great for sports. It's great for marketing. Uh, it's great for young kids to have heroes that look like them. And so this has been the century of that with Derek Jeter as the captain of the New York Yankees, you mentioned him, and a mixed-race president and Barack Obama, Heinz Ward, uh, Super Bowl MVP, and so many, you know, Russ from Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, so many different athletes who are playing in Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls and Super Bowl MVPs are mixed-race guys, and Tiger Woods is the top of the town, Mount Rushmore of sports heroes who are mixed-race guys. And so, yeah, he's, he's so 21st century. 
that uh, he's just elevated himself to the number one face on Mount Rushmore when it comes to athletes in the 21st century. Before we wrap it up, I want to give my final thoughts as I like to tie our podcast to a media perspective. Okay. And what fascinates me is if you're going to have a strong opinion in sports or in life, but we'll stick to sports, you've got to live by what you said and not waffle. We talked about the flip-flop effect. Oh, it's yeah. going to be fascinating to see how many of our peers, many people in sports media, handle this over the next couple of days because there were countless members of the media that counted Tiger out. And they yep. did it within a flare of anger. They were comedians. They, they weren't kind Tiger about it. Woods. Yep. They weren't kind about it. And they said he would never win a major again. He might win a golf tournament. Well, they got to go back to their podcast or TV show, their radio show and clean this up. And I hope they do it the right way because I was wrong about Tiger Woods on a lot of issues. I think I was one of the guys who was pushing the envelope about the issues that he had outside his marriage and the drugs and all of that. And there were nights on the radio where I probably needed to check myself and say, there's no need to go that hard on another human being who's going through a difficult time. I never doubted him as a golfer and I knew he would do this again. And I know he's going to do it again and again, and he's going to pass Jack Nicholas. The problem I have is that the people who counted him out, Tom, they could clean this up. They don't have to apologize. What they need to say is, I was wrong. I didn't think this was going to happen in our lifetime. And it's become one of the most important sporting events of our lifetimes and embrace it. If you were wrong on Tiger Woods and you didn't think it could happen, okay. But at least understand the magnitude and give Tiger the respect to congratulate him on this epic accomplishment. We've got to learn to put our egos aside when we're wrong. Many times something really exciting has happened when we are wrong when it comes to sports, entertainment, art. You know, if you say, oh, my God, I do not want to see one more painting of a sunset. And then you see the world's greatest painting of a sunset. And you think, OK, maybe I do. And then you say Tiger Woods is never going to win another major. And if he does celebrate the fact you were wrong, I hope there's a lot of people throughout the next week that will celebrate the fact they were wrong because this is a great story. I'm so happy we were able to come together for this podcast, uh, showing our uh, listeners again, our subscribers, everybody else that if something breaks and something happens quickly, Looney and I will get to our podcast studios, try to knock something out if we think it's that important. And Tom, I think this is a night we'll never forget as Tiger Woods made history again and becomes the most recognized athlete in the world again and raised the bar for all kids, athletes to come behind him. It was absolutely historic and legendary, and I'm thrilled we were able to talk about it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.